What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 154 of WFS, the Will Ford Show, four days after the Super Bowl. Needed a couple days to kind of absorb what I watched on Sunday in the Super Bowl between the Rams and the Bengals. And of course, we've had a couple of trades in the NBA that I need to go over as well. The main one involving James Harden and the Brooklyn Nets, Ben Simmons, you know, from the Sixers. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit, who won that trade, because I think it's very interesting. Starting off with this Super Bowl, first off, I want to say I was right. Thank you. Thank you. I can hear the applause. Appreciate it. Uh, so I didn't get the score correct, but I did think this was going to be a close game, and I just didn't think that the Bengals offense would be able to go blow for blow, punch for punch with the LA Rams. 23 to 20, I predicted 24-17, I believe. And, you know, Joe Burrow was pressured a lot by the Rams. The Rams have the best pass rush in football, best pass rush in the playoffs. And they got to Joe Burrow a lot, sacked him seven times. And, you know, Tennessee in the divisional round sacked him nine times. And I said, you know, how many times is Burrow going to get sacked against the Rams? I mean, uh, 12, 15 times. Obviously, that was a little unrealistic that it just doesn't happen. But I wouldn't have been surprised. Still sacked seven times. It's hard to win a playoff game getting sacked nine times. And he got sacked seven times in the Super Bowl. It's just it's hard to overcome. And Joe Scheiste did it a couple times this postseason, but just didn't have enough time when it mattered most, especially late in that game. I mean, the last play of the game, or the the last meaningful play, I guess, that fourth down and one for the Bengals. Aaron Donald gets the pressure, not a sack, but forces a a spinning throw to nowhere into the ground. And, you know, that was game. Uh, side note, Aaron Donald was offside on that play. We're not going to really talk about the officiating because... It was mostly bad throughout. I'm not going to say officiating won or lost anybody the game. I think the the better the better team won, so I'm not mad at it by any means. But there were certainly some missed calls. I mean, T. Higgins, you know, side swiping or Jalen Ramsey like grabbing his face mask and and pulling it on that 75 yard touchdown or whatever it was. And then there were some ticky tack calls, you know, late on the Rams' last possession calls that hadn't been made the entire game, and then you call holding and pass interference calls at the end. I didn't love it, but the better team won. So we're not going to really dive into the officiating. Just wanted to make that acknowledgement of, of and that side note. Bottom line is this, though. Joe Burrow can't get sacked seven times in a Super Bowl. You can't. You, you're going to lose nine times out of ten. Couldn't get it done. Sacked 70 times. I think it was like 53 in the regular season and then sacked 17 times in the postseason. Ridiculous. And... uh I'm sorry, but you can't win football games consistently doing that. It's extremely hard to win that way. Cooper Cup, Super Bowl MVP, just under 10 catches, uh, 92 yards and a touchdown, uh, a couple touchdowns, uh, and the and the game winning touchdown, the last drive for the Rams to take the lead. And uh, Cooper Cup, I think, has established himself now as the best receiver in the NFL. And I'm not saying. He's the most talented. He's certainly not the most physically gifted. You know, there are certainly receivers out there that are faster, stronger, bigger, more athletic, can high point the ball better. But in terms of just route running and getting open, Cooper Cup does that better than any other receiver in the National Football League and also had probably the second best or maybe even the best season 
by a wide receiver ever. Matt Stafford was a part of two of those seasons, the, the two greatest wide receiver seasons ever, Calvin Johnson and then Cooper Cup. The Bengals knew that the offense was going to have to go through Cooper Cup on those last couple drives of the game, and they still couldn't stop it because Odell Beckham Jr. got hurt you know, at the end of the first half. You know, one of their other receivers made a, a key drop that ended up being an interception that got the Bengals, you know, back in it. Cooper Cup had to be the offense for this team because running the football really hadn't been working all game. So Cooper Cup needed to be the offense, and the Bengals still couldn't stop it. And a lot of people may argue that Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL, and I and I will listen to those arguments. That's not a uh, it's not a bad argument at all. My takeaway is that. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, like that, that's the whole offense in Green Bay. And at times, it can be stopped. We saw it in the playoffs against the 49ers. Granted, it was a really cold game, but they, they couldn't get Devontae the ball when it mattered most. And Aaron Rodgers doesn't have another go to receiver. Matt Stafford, though, was able to give it to Cooper Cup when it mattered most. Cooper Cup was able to get open. His route running ability, run after the catch, his hands. It makes him the best receiver in the league, even if he's not the most physically gifted guy that we've ever seen. By the way, some of the throws Matt Stafford Matt Stafford was making, I mean, that that throw, I think it was like on a third and long, the last drive of the game for the Rams, no-look pass over the middle. He had a guy open on a, on a curl route to the right, and he looked that way the whole time. That brought... I don't know, the linebacker or the safety in, and then you throw it over the middle, no look to Cooper Cup. It's unbelievable. I just don't even understand. And nobody talks about those throws because, you know, he he played in Detroit for 13 years or 12 years. So no one ever, he made those throws all the time. No one ever saw those because nobody cared about the Detroit Lions. But we see Patrick Mahomes do it, and we think he's God. But really, Stafford's been doing it for the last 13 years. Stafford might be one of the 10 best arm talents that we've ever seen in the National Football League. Now, people may ask, is he a Hall of Famer? I'm not sure because he doesn't really have the all pros. The Pro Bowl is overrated. It's fan-driven. So I can't I can't say that, you know, not he's only been, ever been to one Pro Bowl. So I can't say that, I can't really hold that against him because I just, I think it's a little overrated, but he doesn't have the all pros. He is, I think, 12th all-time in passing yardage. He's high up on the leaderboards and passing touchdowns as well. I mean, if he plays for another five, six years, his stats will be up there with some of the all-time greats. He's got a Super Bowl. I mean, you, you could argue. I mean, you think about it. Detroit, uh, the, like, Matt Stafford was with the Detroit Lions for 12 years and then goes to the Rams, new team, wins a Super Bowl, and he's he played with Detroit for 12 years and has the same amount of Super Bowls as Aaron Rodgers. It's pretty funny. But I, I'm not sure if he's a Hall of Famer. I want to see him play another five or six years of good football. He's 33 right now. Play until you're 37, 38, 39, and we'll see where you're at then. Do you win another Super Bowl? Uh, and it's possible. I would like to see what more he can do, but I don't think he's a Hall of Famer today. I think he's a better quarterback than Eli Manning ever was, but Eli Manning's going to make the Hall of Fame because he won two Super Bowls. So I don't... The Hall of Fame, really, it, it's so hard because it's, I don't think it's objective anymore. I think it's subjective. You know, Dan Marino didn't win a Super Bowl, but he was one of the most talented quarterbacks we've ever seen, kind of changed the way football was played and put up great numbers. 
He's in the Hall of Fame. Matt Stafford with one Super Bowl and the numbers that he has, you would think he would make the Super Bowl eventually, or not the Super Bowl, but the Hall of Fame eventually. I don't know. I'm not sure. But today, my gut feeling is no, he would not make the Hall of Fame if he retired today. Five years down the line after he's put together a full career? Maybe. But will these teams be back to the Super Bowl in the near future? For the Cincinnati Bengals, I think it's absolutely possible. I mean, with the terrible offensive line that you had, being sacked 70 times collectively over the year, you know your offensive line can't get any worse. That's the plus. Uh, And you beat the Chiefs. You didn't beat the Bills, but you didn't have to go through the Bills. You beat the Chiefs, beat the Raiders, who, although they're dysfunctional, usually a tough out all the time. And you beat the Tennessee Titans, who were the number one seed. Great pass rush. And then you played well with the LA Rams. I mean, the only thing that's working against the Cincinnati Bengals is they're going to have a first place schedule next year. So you're not going to play teams like the Jags or the Jets or, I mean, they even lost to the Jets in the regular season this year. You're not going to be playing those teams unless it's by random chance. So that's working against you. But I certainly think the Bengals are capable of going back to the Super Bowl. Will it be next year? I don't think so. Uh, Usually teams, the team that loses the Super Bowl usually has a pretty down year the following year. Or if it's not a down year, they just don't make a deep playoff run. So I don't think the Bengals would be back next year. But what they need to do, obviously, is spend a lot of money on that offensive line and use all their draft capital on offensive linemen, retool kind of like the LA Chargers did, taking offensive linemen from the Packers, Steelers, you drafted an all-pro in Rashawn Slater. So if the Bengals can do that, then no doubt in my mind they're Super Bowl contenders for the next 10 years. But next year, I don't I don't see them going back to the Super Bowl next year. But I but by no means do I call it a Cinderella run because I certainly think they're good enough to get back to the Super Bowl within the next couple of years. For the Rams, I view them a little differently because it really all depends on who comes back. Vaughn Miller, who you traded for, he could leave. He's going to test free agency. Uh, so you may not have him. Granted, you really were only bringing him in for the playoffs anyways. He's at a point in his career now where he's never healthy enough to be on the field all 17 games plus the playoffs. Aaron Donald teased retirement. You know, if he won a Super Bowl, he would have achieved everything that he could have in his career, and he might step away. If if Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in the league, steps away, that's a huge piece that's gone and that's missing. So you could be missing your two best pass rushers. There were rumors that Sean McVay would step away from coaching, but I don't. I never believed those, and I don't think that that's going to happen. So you're going to have Sean McVay in place. But Andrew Whitworth, your offensive tackle, he is more than likely going to retire. He's 40 years old and really played like one of the best tackles in the league given his age. You're going to be missing him. So you got to replace that on the offensive line. Obviously, you don't know if you're bringing back Odell because he was on a one-year deal. Do you bring him back? There could be some moving parts on offense. Defense, you could lose a couple of pieces. I'm not too sure about the Rams, but I think Aaron Donald is leaning towards coming back. Sean McVay is obviously going to be still coaching. Even if they don't bring Odell Beckham Jr. back, Robert Woods will be coming back from injury by next season. So they're going to have their wide receiver, they're going to have a good wide receiver too, either way. You know, Tyler Higby will come back from injury. You might just lose Von Miller and Andrew Whitworth. And if you do, you can address that maybe in free agency. 
or in the draft, you just won't have a first round pick to do it. You're going to have to do it in the later rounds of the draft, see if you can get some good value. But I think the Rams have a better shot of getting back to the Super Bowl next year if they retain most everybody. But if guys like Aaron Donald are, are gone, that's tough. And I don't I see this falling apart pretty quickly for the Rams. My way too early Super Bowl for prediction for next year. I think Kansas City will get back. I think they're gonna figure out their offense. They'll get back to the Super Bowl. And on the NFC side, it's really tough because obviously Tom Brady is gone with the Bucs. Otherwise, I would really I would say the Buccaneers. Could he come back? Sure, but we're not going to pretend that he's coming back today. He's retired. So not the Bucks. I don't believe in the Dallas Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers, we don't know what's going on there in Green Bay, so I'm going to say no on the Packers. The Cardinals, too inconsistent. They fall apart at the end of the year. The 49ers are going to have a, a second-year quarterback who's only started two games. I'm going to go with the Rams because even if they lose a couple of pieces like Whitworth, Vaughn Miller, and Odell Beckham Jr., as long as they don't lose Aaron Donald, I think they'll be fine, and I think they'll be one of the better teams in the NFC, and they'll get back to the Super Bowl. But if Aaron Donald's gone, that's really the piece for me. If Aaron Donald's gone, I don't see it happening. But I'll say Chiefs-Rams for Super Bowl 57. Close the show with some NBA trades. Really, I'm just going to talk about one. The other ones, you know, I don't think are that relevant you know Demona Sabonis was traded from the Pacers to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton terrible trade by the Kings obviously they're playing to try to get into the play-in tournament this year at Halliburton I thought was going to be one of your guys you were going to try to build around he's like 22 23 years old you build around a guy like that and he's he was the best player on their team by every measurable metric except scoring but that's a moot point no one really cares about the Sacramento Kings CJ McCollum was traded by the Portland Trailblazers to the New Orleans Pelicans and so Portland's kind of blowing it up. Dame's out for the year anyways, and they're, they free up $60 million to spend in free agency. Who do you bring in? I don't know because there's not much out there. James Harden will be a free agent. Bradley Beal. But it, but again, I, I'm not sure how good of a fit that is. You know, James Harden and Dame wouldn't work, and I don't think Bradley Beal would either. Bradley Beal and CJ McCollum kind of feel the same to me. So I'm not sure what you do because free agency this summer is mostly mostly really good guards. And I don't think that that's what the Blazers need. Neither here or there, though. Let's talk about this Brooklyn Nets-Philadelphia 76ers trade because this was something I didn't think was going to happen. It was talk really the whole week leading up to the trading deadline. This was not going to get done. But the Sixers and the Nets work something out. And so James Harden gets out of Brooklyn and goes to the 76ers. And in return, the Nets get Ben Simmons who hasn't played at all this year, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round picks. So who won the trade? I think it's hard to tell because obviously we haven't seen Ben Simmons play or James Harden play yet for their new respective teams. But on paper, I feel like the Brooklyn Nets won because I th- they got more functional pieces. So let's just take Ben Simmons out of the equation real quick. Seth Curry, one of the best shooters in the league. You bring him in off the bench and he can really provide some scoring for you. And Andre Drummond's a rim protector. You don't need him to score, but he can be a rim protector. That alone is pretty good. Now, when you look at Ben Simmons coming in, Ben Simmons, obviously, offensively, he's not going to score the basketball unless it's in the paint. Not a shooter. 
not going to spread the floor for you, but can facilitate some offense. So if Kyrie and KD are willing to play off the ball, which we know KD can, but can Kyrie play off the ball? I think he can. Ben Simmons can kind of be a distributor. So on paper, offensively, I think it's a better fit than James Harden was. Defensively, it's obviously much better because Ben Simmons is long. He's 6'10". He can play good defense. I think it's a better fit than he was in Philly. On the other side of things, James Harden and Joel Embiid, I don't know how well that works. Um, I, I think it works better than Ben Simmons because with Ben Simmons and Embiid, both of them needed to be in the paint at the same time in order to be effective. Harden plays on the perimeter, Embiid mostly in the paint. So I think it, it works spatially a lot better. And I think it could actually be a pretty entertaining duo. When James Harden was traded to Philly, he tried to pick up his $47.5 million option for next year. So he'd play out the rest of the season and then he'd be locked in for next year. But then something happened there and the paperwork didn't get sent in on time. I don't even know. But I'm going to assume that since he wanted to pick up the option that he's probably going to re-sign with the 76ers. I guess that all depends on how you know the rest of this year goes. We'll see. But I feel like Harden wouldn't want to go somewhere if he didn't want to re-sign. So I think it's safe to say James Harden will at least be with the 76ers until next year's trading deadline. So we'll see. But I think... Overall, the Brooklyn Nets won the trade. They get more functional pieces. They get some shooting with Curry, rim protection with Andre Drummond. And Drummond, you can kind of just throw into the starting lineup right now. Seth Curry can start, or you can bring him in off the bench. But the starting lineup, I think, for Brooklyn, Ben Simmons running the one. I think you have I think you let Kyrie play two. And then Joe Harris at the three, KD at the four, Drummond at the five. You have Seth Curry come in off the bench with Patty Mills. I think that's actually better. And I would love to see these two teams go up against each other in the playoffs because that would be something to watch. It's funny, though, that you know Harden, KD, and Kyrie didn't work out. They only played together 16 times. They went 13-3. and three, So clearly, you know, it, it worked I think from a basketball perspective, they went 13 and three together. Clearly it worked a little bit, but I think it's just the styles of play, the ego, not wanting to share the basketball, not liking each other off the court. I think that really played into it a lot. And I always said Harden was part of the problem with every team that he's been on. And he always thought he he was the solution. And now he's going to try to be the solution for the Philadelphia 76ers who just can't quite get over the hump. So we'll see how that goes. But I'm really excited to watch the rest of this NBA season because I want to see Harden and Embiid. And then I want to see how Ben Simmons, can he revive his career with the Nets playing alongside KD and Kyrie? We'll see. But I would love to see that in the Eastern Conference Finals. That would be something to watch. Thanks for tuning in to episode 154. I'll see you in 155. Make sure you follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show on Instagram at Will Ford Show and at TikTok, on TikTok, at The Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. You can follow me on there as well. Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Go check it out. It's free. But I'll see you in episode 155. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. <laughs> <laughs>